Wow, was that uh, some great uh, worship? That was awesome. Thanks, guys, uh, for incredible. I put you up against anybody. Now, I made Rick stay out here for a second, though, not because of that. Uh, do you know what this boy did over the weekend? On Friday, 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 yeah, it's going to be a good morning. Uh, on uh, Friday, he uh, jumped on a plane, flew to Chicago, where his girlfriend lives, went out with her Friday night, and asked her to marry him. And here's the surprising part. She said yes. <laughs> Congratulations. We're pretty happy for you. Kim will be down here at Easter. Yep. And we're looking forward to meeting her. We've got a lot to tell her about what we've learned so far about him, haven't we? <laughs> then he got back on a plane and uh, flew home yesterday. And his plane was very late. And he uh, said in Chicago he was pretty nervous, thinking, what will I do if I don't get back? And uh, I thought, when he told me that, if I had known, I would have been the one that was nervous, thinking, what will we do if you don't get back? Well, we're in week two of our uh, series, The Jesus You Can't Ignore. Last week, we talked about Jesus, the celebrated King, the one who is to be worshipped. And I hope that you took some time each day this week to reflect on who God is, because that is the essence of worship. And it is not a one-time-a-week experience. It is something that happens or ought to happen every day in our lives. I also hope that you took some time this morning to prepare and anticipate before coming together for our corporate time of worship. And if you missed last week's message and you want to catch up with us, you can go to our website, crosspointcape.com, and listen to it online there. Well, today I want to, uh, we're kind of tracing this in this series uh, through the events of the final week of Jesus' life, the week that leads to his crucifixion and resurrection. Today I want to look at the events that happen on Monday and Tuesday of this week. And on Monday we find a very different side of Jesus. A side of Him that we don't talk about a lot. In fact, if you saw Jesus on Monday, you might sort of say that He was a Savior gone wild. Uh, somebody told me this week if they could have picked one day to be one of Jesus' disciples, they would have picked Monday just to get to go with Him and clear out the temple. This event happens in Matthew chapter 21. I want you to see Hollywood's version of this. They come pretty close to what the Bible describes. Watch this.
We'll talk about that more and make clear what they're talking about there in a moment. Verse 5, everything they do is done for people to see. They, they make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. These phylacteries were literally little boxes that they would fashion, uh, fasten to their foreheads. And in these boxes were scriptures that they had written on them. And they had this idea that the bigger the box, the more holy they were the more right they were with God. And they fastened these tassels on their garments as reminders of laws that they were to keep. And the longer the tassel, the more holy they were supposed to be. Verse 6, They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. In other words, Jesus says it is all about them. It's all about getting attention. It's all about appearing to be religious. And then move down to verse 13. Notice what Jesus says. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. The word woe can be translated cursed be or be cursed. Curse you, you religious leaders, Jesus says. You Hypocrites. Hypocrite literally means to wear a mask, to pretend to be someone else. And it gets its origins in the Greek theater where someone would play multiple parts. One actor would play two parts and between his two parts he would switch mask to identify which part he was playing. And so this word has come to mean someone who pretends to be something that they are not. And Jesus says to these religious leaders, curse you. You religious leaders, because you are pretending to be something that you are not. Now, why, why is Jesus like this with these guys? They, they held a lot of power in the first century. And Jesus calls them hypocrites seven times. He calls them fools, blind guides, serpents, a brood of vipers, all in this one chapter. Why, why so angry? Because they are making a mockery out of having a relationship with God. They have managed to squeeze all of the joy out of following God. They have made having a relationship and following God all about rules and rules and rules and rules. What they had created in the name of religion was far from what God had intended. And so Jesus says, curse you because you're pretending to be something that you are not. He challenges them to change their thinking. He challenges them that this what you have created this to be is not what God intended. And there are people today, maybe some of you, who have little interest in God because you have seen people in the name of Christianity make it complicated and without joy just as these religious leaders had turned it into something very complicated and joyless. And to be honest, I don't blame you for ignoring that kind of Jesus. One who seems to be complicated and there's no joy. But what Jesus teaches here in Matthew chapter 23 reveals to us that that's not what He intended. He had something far different in mind. And I think when you come to understand the kingdom that Jesus had in mind and the kind of Savior that Jesus is, you will choose not to ignore Him. Because it's not complicated. 
And it is intended to be full of joy. So today I want to spend a few minutes unwrapping what Jesus teaches here. Because I think you'll come to see it's something that we all long to be a part of. First, I want you to notice in verse 13 again what Jesus says here. He says, What are you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites? You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those who enter who are trying. Jesus says, because you've made it so complicated, because you've made it all about rules, you have literally shut the door of the kingdom in people's faces. Verse 15, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and then you make that convert twice as much a son of hell as you are. You probably didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? That Jesus would talk like that? He he says, you have turned these converts, you turn people towards God, but then you turn them into such radicals about following all the rules that they become as much a son of hell as you are. When Peg and I traveled to, uh, to Bulgaria earlier this month, we had two long layovers in Frankfurt, Germany. And uh, one of the times that we were there, I uh, went around the corner looking for a restroom. And just after I saw the restroom door, I saw that just down the hall was the Continental Airlines President's Lounge. And I thought to myself, you know, it sure would be great for Peg and I to be able to go into that lounge because I knew that in there it looked something like this. You know, there'd be these lush chairs to sit in that would be very comfortable. And most of the time, I understand in these uh, lounges, you know, they serve some uh, free soda maybe and water and they have some refreshments and there are newspapers there to read. And it is just a much more relaxing environment than sitting out in the terminal waiting for your next plane. But I knew what would happen if I tried to go into that room. I knew that if I approached that counter and asked to go in, the door would be shut in my face. Because I'm not a member. I I don't belong. It is an exclusive club. And they would say to me, access denied, this is exclusive. And Jesus says that's exactly what the Pharisees had done to the kingdom of God. They had made it an exclusive club. And unless you followed all the rules, unless you dressed the right way, unless you did everything that they asked you to do, it wasn't open to you. The door would be slammed in your face. Access denied. Because for them, it was all about obeying the rules. Jesus says, you have made it all about perfection, all about keeping all of the rules. But that was never what He intended. He said, you just keep adding more and more rules and you are shutting the door of God's kingdom in people's faces. And that's not what I intended. I came across this this week. It's a uh, a sign that in front of a flower garden in a park. Listen to what this sign says. I don't know how they got one big enough. It says, do not pick, twist off, sever, cut, clip, snip, snap off, pluck, pinch off, pull, bend, crush, pair, cleave, divide, break, touch, or take, borrow, steal, remove, or otherwise harm, mutilate, or endanger the flowers. Seriously. And maybe that's been your view of Christianity. That you think it's just one long list of don'ts. And you have to be good enough. And to be honest, that kind of Christianity just isn't very appealing to a lot of people. But Jesus says, I came to open the door for everyone. 
He, he invited everyone, especially sinners, especially people who have messed up, especially people who have gotten it wrong somewhere along the way in life. Jesus says, I am swinging open the door of the kingdom for everyone. And that's good news for us, guys. Because when He said it that day, He was saying He was swinging the door open for people like us. People who've messed up. It's not an exclusive club. If Jesus had been in charge of the Continental Lounge, I could have gone in that day. It would have been open to me. And that's how He views His kingdom. He wanted everyone to have the opportunity to be invited to be part of it. Jesus invited cheating tax collectors during His lifetime. He invited a woman who had been caught in the very act of adultery. He, had been, he invited a woman who was living in sin. He invited a, a man who was obsessive about his wealth. Those were the kinds of people that Jesus said, come on, be part of my kingdom. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says this. It says, if we can claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. And you know what? That is a perfect description of the religious leaders that Jesus talked about that day in the temple. They denied there was any sin in their life. And Jesus says, the truth's not in them. But then He says this in verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Jesus says, my kingdom is all about being open to people who will simply acknowledge that they have messed up, that they have sinned, and they're invited in. Next, Jesus says that implementing the important matters to Him. Look at verse 23. It says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter. You should have given your tithe, he says, without neglecting the former. You blind guides. You strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Now that last phrase is interesting. Jesus says you strain out a gnat. He's referring to the fact that they believed that any kind of insect was defiled, that it was dirty, and that if they somehow ingested an insect, they would be unclean for a period of time. And so they had strainers. And when they poured out their wine, they would pour it through these strainers that would catch even the smallest gnat so that they didn't accidentally defile themselves. And he says, basically, you'll go to all the trouble to strain out a gnat, but yet you'll eat a camel. What does he mean by that? Yet you continue to defile yourselves because you have neglected things that are far more important than straining out a little gnat. Jesus says these Pharisees, they're all concerned about their tithe. They were tithing even their spices. I mean, can you imagine the next time you go to the store and you buy a jar of spices? If you were to go back home and before you did anything else, you opened that thing up and you dumped out about 10% of it into another container or a napkin or something, and then the next Sunday when you came to church, you brought your 10% of your spices with you and you put it in the offering basket as it passed? Please don't do that. But that's what the Pharisees were doing. They were so concerned about every little law. And yet Jesus says, you appear religious in the temple. You know how to put on a good show when you go to worship. But you have neglected justice and mercy and faithfulness. 
Jesus says, you've worried about keeping all of the rules, but you haven't worried about people. And Jesus says, by His actions and His words, people matter to me. Jesus says, a relationship with me is about loving people. It's about caring about people. People who are hurting, people who are poor, people who are mistreated by society, people who are sick, people who are struggling. Jesus says, that's what matters to me. Do you know on the day that Jesus cleared the temple, if you go on and read the story in Matthew chapter 21, you know what happens immediately after He had driven out the religious hypocrisy of the leaders? He started healing the lame and the blind. He drove the religious leaders out of the temple and then He took care of people. Now, this shouldn't have surprised the religious leaders because the Old Testament that they often read from in Micah talks about the value of people to God. Micah chapter 6, verse 8 says this, The Lord has told you, human, what is good. He has told you what He wants from you. And here it is. To do what is right to other people, love being kind to others, live humbly obeying your God. Jesus says, My kingdom isn't about rules and appearances. It's about taking care of people. And if I am going to be a follower of Jesus, then people have to matter to me. You know what? Around here, we are far more concerned with people than we are keeping a bunch of rules and regulations. There's another thing that Jesus points out here that He is that matters to Him in verse 25 says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Jesus says the Pharisees, they get the outside of the dish all clean, but the inside is dirty. Would we do that? You know, would we clean the outside of a glass and leave the inside filthy dirty and still drink out of it? No, it doesn't make any sense to us, does it? Jesus says you are far too concerned with outward appearances and not nearly enough concerned with what happens on the inside. Jesus says it all starts with the heart. Before I go any farther, I've always wanted to do this. I just wanted to get a few pictures of some people this morning. Let me just step down here. Here you go, you can keep that. Oh, I have to reset. I have no idea really what's going to be on there. Here, I'm going to try one more again. Smile. There you go. Just hang on to that, okay? Now, for some of you, maybe a lot of you, the idea that I would take your picture, that bothers you, doesn't it? Some of you were thinking, please, please don't come back here. Because our culture places such an incredibly high value on outward appearance. Jesus says it's not about outward appearance. It's about what's on the inside. It's about what's in the heart. And we're just like the Pharisees in a way because they were so worried about appearing religious but they gave little consideration to what was going on on the inside and in their heart. 
And Jesus says, that's all backwards. Let's worry a whole lot more about what is going on on the inside of your life than just your outward appearance. You know what, that day after Jesus cleared the temple, do you know who remained there other than the people He was healing? Those people that were hurting? The other people that remained that day were people who worshipped Him. People who wanted to hear Him teach. People who simply wanted to follow Jesus. Sometimes we have allowed it to seem like it is so complicated, so difficult. Like it's all about appearances and rules and following the right steps. And Jesus teaches here and models that it's really just about our hearts. And you know what kind of hearts? Jesus said it's not about having a heart of perfection. It's not about having a heart that is without sin. No, Jesus says it's about having a heart that is willing to admit that we have sin. It's about having a heart that acknowledges that we need and desire forgiveness. It's about having a heart that simply wants Jesus. And when we get to that point, when we get to the point that we just simply say, I need Jesus, Jesus says the door is absolutely wide open. Come on in. Don't worry about rules and regulations. Just worry about following me. Do you know what happens when a church decides it is going to put people above rules and regulations? Do you know what happens in a place where people value hurting people more than they do appearances? People are drawn to that. And that's why we have tried our best around here to make sure that it's always about people and not appearances. And do you know what happens in our lives when we get to the point that we quit worrying about trying to appear to be religious and we just get to the point we acknowledge we simply need Jesus and we're going to follow Him. We're going to live our lives in His power. Incredible things happen. In fact, I think maybe this makes it a little more clear. <laughs> you get it? It's an interrupting cow. He interrupts. That's what he does. He's a moo, right? So dumb. It's a not dumb. It's funny. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. What are you doing? It's me. It's Jesus. Lord, we take up our cross every day for you. Oh, thank you. Uh, but the cross is where it begins, not ends. That was the beginning and the end, Lord, Alpha and Omega. It's all about you, Jesus. Uh, Guys, I I just want you to be real with me. You are the air I breathe. You are the air I breathe. Drew, I think it's great when you worship me. Oh, yes. Praise you, Lord Jesus. It's just that sometimes it feels like you're putting on a show. Oh, Jesus, please forgive me for putting on a show and being saved. uh, Okay, I, I forgive you. Oh, praise you for okay. your grace. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Guys, just say what you would normally say. Praise hallelujah. No, I mean, like, you know, if, if we were talking, you know, say what you'd say. Okay. Um, Drew, tell us a joke. What? Yeah, I mean, you know, like you were before. Thou art holy, Lord. That's not a joke. Oh, yeah. No, I, I didn't mean that. <laughs> What are you guys doing? 
Jesus, we're living for you just like we always do. Don't live for me. Live in me. When you live in me, you'll understand who you are and what you're living for. I just want something a little bit deeper. But if this is all you want. I don't know about you, but I I want more. I want more than just going through the motions. I want to know deeply a Savior who invites anyone to be a part of His kingdom. Don't you? God, thank You for Jesus. The Jesus we really can't ignore. And why would we want to when we understand that no matter what we've done in life, no matter what, where our journey has taken us, He still loves us and still invites us to be part of His family. I want to follow a Savior like that. God, would You forgive us that sometimes we have been guilty of simply going through the motions, the outward appearances, when You desired so much more from us. God, would You help us to open our hearts and our lives to You and to live in You, in Your power, in Your grace every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.